Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 103. You've got myself, Paul Spain. Sam Ahmed. And I'm Sam Evan. Welcome along, guys. Good to be here. Thank, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Sam, your uh, your first time on the uh, on the NZ Tech podcast. Yes, Christmas, and I'm finally made it to a NZ Tech podcast. Yeah, no, it's good good to have you here. Now, just tell us a little bit about your your role. Uh, you head up Freeview here yep. in New Zealand. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that uh, what that entails. So we're uh, we're the free to air digital TV and radio platform in New Zealand. We've been going about six years now. Uh, we're now in 48% of homes, so being used in 48% of homes, actually in about 65% of homes, but some of those obviously use Sky. And um, as of the end of next year, this time next year, Auckland, so Taupo North will be the last area to go digital, and you'll either have to have yeah, Sky or a version of Sky or, or Freeview. Right, because it's, uh, yeah, it's all about turning, turning off the old analogue signals and, uh, and getting rid of them. Well, yeah, not getting rid of them, using them for something else, using that spectrum, that analog spectrum for new 4G and LTE services from the from the telcos. Well, there's so, quite a bit of demand demand for that, and New Zealand's sort of sitting, I guess, a little bit behind uh, you know some of the other markets in in that space. So, yeah, I think there's a there's an appetite for us to launch 4G LTE, mm. uh, you know, mobile networks and you know very very fast mobile speeds. So. Uh, yeah, I think most people are going to cope with that. Are there any sort of major major downsides of of, of flicking off that that old those old analog uh, broadcasts and and launching four G or LTE? I mean, the thing we're concerned with, as I guess broadcasters of of television and you know video pictures, is any interference that there is from uh, from four G. And there has been instances of it in the UK. Um, we're told by the Ministry of Economic Development that they've accounted for that in New Zealand. There's a bigger guard band. And there's a different technology being used, so they assure us that there won't be any. Um, but that's something that we'll be watching the testing of 4G very carefully. Good. Okay. Well, we'll come. We'll come back a little bit more about uh, Freeview as we as we get into it. Now, a big story that uh, that hit over the weekend was the sale of of, of Trade Me uh, by Fairfax. Now, Fairfax you know, originally bought tr- Trade Me. You know, the whole the whole shebang. Uh, going back, uh, two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, so so from Sam Morgan and uh, his crew. So and they did reasonably well out of that one. Uh, Seven hundred million New Zealand dollars. That's a very good deal for anything <laughs> yeah. coming out of here. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is, is that uh, that's grown in value considerably since that time. And you know, this was really the you know the the, the crown jewel among uh, Fairfax uh, assets. We look at all the other pieces of the business where they've been downsizing and so on. Uh, you know, th- th- it's been a pretty uh, you know a, a pretty tough market, really. I think for any print publishers, uh, you know, just because of uh, the move to, uh, to to you know digital forms of media, uh, the, the the lower uh, you know revenues to be earned from from advertising, lower numbers of su- subscribers, and so on. Uh, what do you guys think about about this move? Is it uh, is it a smart move, or do you think it was just an absolute necessary move that they owe so that, that Fairfax owes so much to the banks that uh, that they just had to quit this uh, asset so they could uh, get their books in order? Um, just before I start, I used to work at Fairfax, so I have to kind of put that disclosure out there. But um, I think from what I've seen of their numbers, which is um, quite dire, for, and it's dire across most of the print. Uh, media, 
industry uh, it, they needed to sell or they needed to find ways to bring down their debt they had about 815 million dollars of debt australian uh owing to different uh, companies plus some more debt and uh different deals uh for instance the trading buyout had some extra debt along with it mm. um it, they they're selling their 51% stake in TradeMe, which is what's left after having floated it on uh, the ASX and NZX. Uh, last, uh, earlier this year, they uh, put out 15%, and I think last year, and last year they did their first uh, float, which was for a third. Um, they're selling the 51% stake, and they get the, they've actually sold it, and they've got about $615 million, uh, Australian, which is uh, $768 million New Zealand. So they've gone from 800 million in debt to about 200 million in debt, which is great for their, you know, balance sheet. They can now do something with that money. They can do something with that uh, that difference. They can invest in either more online uh, products or they can divest out of something that they might not actually know much about. You know, this uh, online auction space. I, I guess the challenge for them when they bought it was to integrate Trade Me into their own business, and they they haven't done that. Uh, so you know you would exit for two reasons. You know, one is maybe trade me's topped out, topped out. So there's, there isn't a lot of growth left there. Whereas some says you know maybe they need the cash. Uh, but yeah, it is surprising they didn't take more of if you like uh, what trade me is really good at, uh, and that the newspapers used to have all to themselves, which was classifieds, and integrate that into their current business model. So it hasn't worked for them, and it's, it's time to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've, I'm left with the thought that this is something they were, you know, more put into a bit of a corner with, and and you know their financial state was such that mm. it was it was a necessity. Uh, you know, they've cut a lot of staff. They've been making a lot of changes uh, to uh, you know to try and you know, get get their house in order. And you know, the the industry has gone through uh, you know such big changes that they they totally have to reinvent themselves to be able to uh, continue. And this was an absolutely brilliant investment for them. They've made a you know huge amount of money over these last few years with it. Uh, I'm sure they would have loved to be in a position where they could you know they could keep bringing in that, that extra revenue. But uh, uh, this probably puts them in a much better position to be able to focus on on that core business and yep. uh, and publishing the things they publish. And uh, uh, you know they they publish some you know key key um, you know a lot of key um, media here in New Zealand as they do. Uh, uh, in Australia, you know, tech media such as you know PC World and Computer World, and uh, uh, you know all the regional um, uh, publications and so on as well. So um, yeah, I think it, it, it's a good thing if they can uh, get things right and they don't have to uh, you know slash too many more jobs or anything like that. I think would be uh, would be good. Uh, and I'm sure Trade Me's got a pretty uh, long and uh, prosperous mm-hmm. future ahead if uh, if if what we've you know seen from the likes of eBay, um, you know, and Wiggle um, and and Wiggle. Was it Wiggle? What was the one that launched and de-launched? Oh, Weedle. Weedle. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, a few months ago. Well, they're ta- still talking about coming back, aren't they? Although well, we haven't they had that ten million in a dollars somewhere hidden <laughs> up in their sleeves for something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, who knows whether uh, uh, whether there will be some other other you know competitors that will come into the space? But I mean, very very hard to get into a space like this. It's one you know, it's more something you expect there to be a bit of a natural monopoly with. And you know, my thought is probably the only one that really had much of a chance was a chance was uh, trade and exchange in the early days when uh, they were they were a very popular sort of buy and buy and sell, uh, you know, type um, uh, type mechanism. So um, yes, yeah, so, that, so that's uh, that's quite an interesting um, 
yeah, it'd be quite an interesting situation if if somebody else tries to do that now. I think just just so difficult to uh, to get in there. There's also a possibility uh, that's been kind of floated around on the internet, which is what if they've divested and now they come back with a competitor, kind of like what you're saying, their own version here, or they somehow take what they've learned from <laughs> Trade Me and build their own in Australia. It's uh, it's interesting to, uh, to think that they would do that, but I, I can't see that happening. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, there could be things in, in online com- commerce that they learn out of this and they decide to, uh, uh, you know, to look at. But, I mean, my, my pick is that they are going to, you know, they're going to focus on uh, on what they do rather than maybe do, do similar things. But it was one of the thoughts that went through my head as I was sort of looking at it, trying to, you know, analyze maybe what their thoughts were. You know, would, would, would you know, have they have they seen enough? Do they see an opportunity where someone else could mm-hmm. come into the market, and they could, uh, you know, they have enough knowledge to partner up with them? I, I think Tramia though has become much more of a buy sell and you know exchange kind of site. It's very much now about a community, and it drives a, a lot of other activity. And that's the challenge for Tramia is to keep uh, innovating. Uh, and as we've seen with a new app that they've just launched on TV, and I think this is an example of Trade Me looking for new ways to enhance the experience of their users. Yeah, well, I think one of the challenges for Trade Me because you know they they still are the you know the number one source of uh, you know traffic on the internet in New Zealand. Uh, I believe that's still the case, isn't it? Yeah, it, fairly, I think so. Fairly, fairly strongly. At least it's what's the most searched for according to yeah. Google this year. So yeah, that's yeah. Um, but one of the challenges is that you get known for you know for one or two things, and you know they dive off into some other other areas. Uh, but you know, a lot of people don't really look at some of those other things that they do. For instance, I think you know they they've moved into selling all sorts of uh, you know products that are sort of outside of the uh, the auction space. And you know most people we've been using Trade Me for so long mm. that we know what we use Trade Me for, and we don't look at Trade Me for you know a bunch of other things. Uh, I mean they've done reasonably well, I guess, getting into um, property, pro- uh, property, and probably um, job listings in yeah. New Zealand. Those are two areas where there is actually really really good revenue to be made, and they've actually done extremely well. Uh, but you know some of the other areas where where they could move into, for instance, some of the things that we see Amazon doing in the U.S. market. So, you know, you've got two sort of online commerce, you know, things in the U.S. with eBay for auctions, and then you know Amazon to buy anything from groceries to a new uh, gadget. And you know there is a potential for Trade Me to really put themselves into that sort of uh, space as well to a degree. Yeah. So um, Trade Me moving into TV, do they then move into distribution of video? So can I rent a movie from Trade Me? So it'll be interesting to see whether they go in that direction and really look to push out the brand into a whole lot of home entertainment. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to you got to look and, and say, well, yeah, how much can they stretch the brand? They, you know, they've got people's eyes and ears already to a big degree. So uh, can they? Uh, uh, yeah, can they leverage that brand? And they've already got payment. So that's one of the big things around getting entertainment into the home. Either do it free, obviously with ads, or otherwise, which I've got as well. Or otherwise, it has to be a payment mechanism. So they've already got that. They've got mm. customer service. So it's all pretty much there. If they don't do anything, you know, new and dramatic, what's going to happen with their revenues? Is, is I mean, that could be one, you know, another reason, uh, you know, why they're being sold is maybe those revenues are starting to sort of smooth out a bit. Well, I mean, I must say, I haven't used Trade Me much in the last. You know, if I look back this year, I can't really think of a whole lot of things that I've I've used Trade Me for. Mm. Um, you know, it's sort of one of those things that 
you know, sometimes people will use for a, a period of time or, yeah, but, yeah, there's some people who use it a lot, obviously on an ongoing basis, judged by the traffic. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not always a, a continuous sort of relationship or a continuous connection that everyone has with it. Well, uh, the basis of all, like, growth and uh, is growth and um, in these uh, businesses is growth. So they have more, more than 3 million users now. I think that's the latest figure that I've seen. So either they have to up their user base, which is getting difficult because they're at the end of the spectrum there, or up their fees to get more money or find new products. So yeah, well, it's pretty hard for them to move into any other markets, yeah. right? You know, most of the other markets are, are, are saturated with with you know these existing uh, properties doing auctions. So you know, they're, they're pretty much stuck with New Zealand. So as you say, yeah, they. There's not there's not much uh, room to grow with uh, with with new customers. It's all about those uh, but, new but innovation. I, I new think products. that also proves the power the power that they have because you know they don't look to move into other markets and, and others don't look to move here. But um, as with any incumbent, you know they will look to keep increasing fees and and that will in, increase their revenue. So until someone comes along with a better proposition, uh, they'll probably be in a fairly good position to it will be it will be incremental growth rather than substantial growth. Mm. But, uh, you know, I think they've got a, a fairly good future for the, the short, medium term anyway. Yep. Um, so we, we, you, mentioned, you mentioned briefly uh, apps and, and what TradeMe's got going on there. So we've got the new, uh, new TradeMe app that we were having a look at a little bit earlier on the, um, uh, the 55-inch uh, Panasonic Vera Smart TV that they were kind enough to uh, send over as a Christmas present. Um, although I think they might want that back. Uh, but... Um, yeah, what, what did uh, what did you both think of that? What was your take on uh, on it, Sam? Is this the sort of thing you would use? Yeah, I think so. I, I think we talked about or sort of my experience with TV being a lean back experience. As long as you can use it easily with a remote, and it seemed to be okay for that. Uh, I like the way you could watch TV at the same time. Um, I keep coming back to though actually getting to it is the, is the issue for a viewer. You know, you haven't got a mouse and a, a keyboard to mess around with, so you tend to want to be able to get there very easily, which sort of comes back to the benefit of the Freeview model in New Zealand where you could just add it as another channel rather than an app. The problem with uh, the app model, like you're saying, is that, one, getting to it, you have to load it up on your TV, and two, the processing behind it on your TV, running that application, your TV needs to be good enough to uh, keep that going. Well, smart TVs don't usually have you know quite the same sort of power as we're used to in, in our PCs and Xboxes and so on, right? Yeah, so, and when we were having a play with it before, you could notice that uh, everything was a bit slow to react. The the we, uh, the pain point, I think, is the remote and the remote action, trying to get things to move across on the screen. It's a bit slow, but apart from that, it was a perfectly good experience, as in I could watch my TV show and then I could see that camera I was bidding on where it's at and... If I wanted, I could uh, put the TV show back on full view and it would just let me know in the corner of the screen, hey, look, you've been outbid. Uh, I love that idea, but I think it's pretty much redundant now that I have an iPad or tablet. I'm sitting at the TV with it. I can see it happening on my iPad instead of needing it on the TV. I like my TV to be a dumb receiving device and mm. free of clutter, so I can leave that clutter for my iPad when I need it to be there. Yeah, I liked the uh, the sort of pop up type um, you know notifications that you 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 get uh, you know around oh you've just you know you just missed out on this auction you didn't bid enough and you know so on giving you the sort of alerts that you might miss otherwise I think that's quite good. Uh, one of the things that because a TV is a shared you know device, uh, one of the things that 
uh, I noticed was it's it's not easy to sort of flick, you know, maybe have three or four users, you know, set up and to be able to flick between those users. They haven't kind of got that yet. But talking to the um, uh, the developer, it sounds as though that sort of thing is, is you know, is quite likely as a, as a sort of a future uh, version. So, you know, it sounds like they're going to do regular updates to the app. So it's not just what we've got in V1, you know, is what we'll still have in six months' time. They're likely to keep tweaking that, mm. so uh, so that's good. You know, I think um, you know they'll they'll probably be open to those you know those sorts of bits of uh, of feedback and so on. Here's the important question, guys: Would you buy a TV because it had the Trade Me <laughs> app on it? No, probably well, not. I think Panasonic would like to think that you would, <laughs> and there probably is a segment out there that that you know that they they're such avid you know Trade Me users that that would uh, be a part of the decision making process. Uh, but yeah, probably for for the three of us, I'd say that's 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 pretty un, unlikely. Uh, but I guess if you had three TVs next to each other that were identical in price and in all the other features, and one of them had you know whatever extra feature that you liked, and maybe that's trade me, uh, then that that will be the thing that can push you over the line. Uh, but you know, usually there are lots of other differences that, that that you take into account. Yeah, and and that's what TV manufacturers that you're now seeing that happen. So TVNZ on demand, for example, just launched on Samsung. They they're looking to find uh, exclusive content deals and exclusive apps with uh, providers in, in New Zealand. New Zealand being a small market, though, it's difficult. And and the challenge for broadcasters and and, and businesses like Trade Me is you'll need to keep supporting that app through and you know for a long time uh and i don't think anyone's quite got their head around that i mean globally apps aren't going that well so connected tv the delivery of video to connected tv is increasing massively but the apps themselves there hasn't been a huge uptake of of apps but you know the the netflix and hulus and 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 these types of services are growing or have grown massively yeah, and I think I mean there's a, there's there's been a sort of a general feeling amongst those you know that have, that have uh, discussed these topics on the podcast that uh, you know having a a, a set top box or an Xbox, a, yeah, Apple TV, PlayStation, Roku, whatever it happens to be, those those sort of things are uh, you know where more of those sort of app type things tend to happen, uh, or you know people are more interested in putting their money in a box that they can keep upgrading, but. There's a bit of a disconnect between those boxes and obviously, you know, the the TV in some regards, and so there are some benefits and the the more tighter integration you get with a uh, with an app that comes from the TV itself. Yeah, and look, I think in New Zealand there hasn't been a lot to connect for. So you go to the US, you know, you've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, so there is a huge incentive to hook hook your TV up to the internet and start, you know, getting some content. New Zealand, we have, you know, there's only so much YouTube you can watch and, and Facebook got, you want. And to Quickflix do. is on, I think, exclusive on Samsung at the moment. Um, uh, no, I think it's on a few others. Uh, yeah. I think Samsung, from a Samsung. TV perspective, right. okay. is exclusive, but there are other, you know, mm. devices that you can hook up to. I just saw a Quickflix app on the Fiora we were looking at. Yeah, so, that, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's launched on the, uh, that's the um, HDMI um uh, stick from Dish TV uh, from Dish TV right. that we were that we were looking at we were looking at that app on. There was another like inside the TV. There was an app. Oh, there Quick was. Flicks. Yeah. So oh, actually, no, you're right. Yeah, actually, the Quick Flix app is is around the place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think no, it's right. a bit more widespread now, and they're making a pretty big push for it. Yeah. Um, I guess you have to if you're. Uh, they need the traction to. I stand corrected. I'm thinking of uh, Samsung tablets. Which was where they, I think they had the exclusive. And there was some sort of exclusive right. tie-in with Samsung that they mm. had there. Um, so yeah, there. Are, I mean, there are those sort of things that are going on all the time. Those sort of exclusive deals. But 
yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's good to see a few more bits and pieces that are starting to flow through here locally. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, I guess these things are going to uh, you know, improve over time. We'll end up with every TV being a smart TV, like like we're seeing with phones, right? We you can't buy. You know, it's it's getting harder and harder to buy a phone that doesn't do email and do web. And so on, and I think it's, you know it's just natural that that will be the case with 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 TVs. I actually, I think I'm going to argue against that. Uh, I, I like Sam's point before, where TVs are this uh, laid back experience. It's not like the phone or like the computers and tablets. It, it's not something I use to work or be productive. It's something I use to be unproductive. You know, I, I go there to relax. So I. Mm. Again, I want to be but done, I th- but I, it- yeah, but I think the uh, the nature of just the speed of which technology moves, a premium feature today, say a smart TV capability tomorrow, will just be a standard feature because there's enough. You know, the chip costs a dollar to put it in there, so oh, well, it's a it's a dollar. Oh, and we need it to enable function ABC or mm. partnership with QuickFlix or you know whoever else it happens to be. So. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're even seeing cheap panels coming out of, of China that are Android built-in. So, the, you know, these platforms are being built into to all televisions at some stage, whether they're used or not, which I think is the point that Sim's mm. making, is another mm. another question. Good because question, yeah. the, the, the other point you made was that TV is a shared experience. So it's an individual on my tablet or my, or my smartphone, uh, and I can do what I like in the room with other people. But when it's up front on the TV, it, you know, it might not be... Quite what everyone wants to see or do, so that, that's the that's a challenge that, or the, if you like, the beauty of television. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this does land over time as that technology uh, you know bumps along and as it tends to do it at a fairly rapid pace. Uh, and you know, if you're seeing Android in a, in a really low end, you know, mm. uh, TV starting, you know, start, that sort of stuff starting to come through, and you need to have a bit of you know processing capability, just you know, just to deal with uh, Freeview and you know the the uh, digital signals that are sort of coming in. So there needs to be some uh, sort of processing type of you know, capability. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty natural that we'll have those those yeah. things. Uh, but you know. Yeah, there needs to be. I guess there'll need to be some standardisation, and maybe uh, you know Google TV or Android will be the thing that we see uh, just bundled in to a TV as standard. But you might need some extra bits and pieces to really get the best out of it in terms of better remotes or uh, you know control devices and so on. Um, now we were just looking uh, before we started at at that um, uh, HDMI plugin dongle from uh, from Dish TV. Now this is. Uh, um, hundred and thirty nine dollars, I think, in in retailers, and it basically allows you to turn you know your everyday TV into a smart TV. Uh, it's Android based, and the little remote controller, as you wiggle it around, can control a pointer on the screen. Uh, interesting experience. Not not up there with the sort of high end, uh, you know, uh, set top boxes, um, but probably on par with a lot of the 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 more average. Uh, smart TV type um, experiences that we've seen before, right? Yeah, from what I could see, it was just basically an Android interface and Android uh, underlay and overlay. So what I could see that happen- uh, happening on there is people building apps for this platform mm. that's available on tablets and TVs. So you can use an app like uh, the Trade Me app on uh, your Android device or something like that on your TV. Quite a different experience, though, because an app that's designed for touch, when you're trying to control that with a pointer, with a remote, 
it's actually a whole lot is a whole lot harder now. I mean, we looked at the particular you know reason we were looking at it was to have a look at that new QuickFlix app because it's another way that QuickFlix are, are getting their you know service uh, out there as well as Freeview, which we'll come to, uh, and. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the, the yeah. same it's as a normal perfect. remote control experience, is it? It's not. We, it's not you don't want to have too much idea. coffee. You'd never you'd never get there. You'd be shaking all around the screen. So I think uh, you know this is one of the challenges of of taking a technology that works really well on a smartphone and a touch screen and trying to put it onto a, a big screen and onto a TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the other thing about TV is it really is all about content. You know, the big screen's there to watch video on. Um, it's it's not there to necessarily do the things the same things you do on a tablet or a or a phone or a PC. Yeah, I mean, I think there are things that we do on our on our tablets and devices, whether it's browse the web or particularly YouTube. I think is one yeah. of those things that yeah, I mean, video obviously lends itself to a to a t- TV. Um, so there's some blurry lines there, but yeah, there are some things that don't translate particularly mm-hmm. well to. Uh, uh, to that sort of situation. Yeah, I wouldn't expect us to be word processing on a TV using that little fiddly remote you had before. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to see somebody try to write a, write a, um, a thousand-word story on it, uh, Sim. Oh, challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> Let me I'll see you in about five years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even just putting in things like you know, uh, email addresses and passwords. It does take a little bit longer because that's the, that's the you know, constraint of using that pointer. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean we've seen various uh, di- you know different approaches to how to handle that. I know you know some of the Google TV devices with a uh, keyboard, uh, the Boxy Box, which uh, T-Link have, you know, where uh, that's you know it's got the keyboard sort of tied into it. Um, you know, your Xbox, you can plug in your wireless uh, you know, keyboard and mouse sort of um, stuff, which you know which works okay. But then you oh, where's the keyboard and mouse, and you can't use the remote for it. Uh, but it's not you know I guess it's nice to have uh, nice to have those sort of options. Hmm. Um, now, so we were talking, um, we've had a bit of discussion around uh, QuickFlix, which seems to keep coming up the last few weeks. They've, um, you know, since, since hearing about some of the financial woes in, in Australia, um, they've actually had all sorts of announcements and different bits and pieces coming through. And uh, one of those was, a, was an announcement, uh, Sam, with, with Freeview. So mm. can you tell us a little bit about, um, a little bit about, what's going to happen there and, and what that means technically. So we're yep. hearing about um, QuickFlix as an on-demand sort of content service being delivered yep. through Freeview, which we see as a broadcast TV. Yep. And uh, I think most people hearing those two bits and pieces together would be scrambling around trying to understand how we can get on-demand content through our hmm. television without some special... Uh, application in a set-top box. Can you walk us through the, sure. the basics so, of that? I mean, we just simply talk about Freeview with extras, so that's broadcast and then adding to it with content that's delivered over IP. Um, how's that come about? So two years ago, we um, looked at what was happening in the UK with MHEG. So MHEG's the, the um, engine we use to drive the EPG, and it has interactivity built into it. So a, the EPG, that's the electronic oh, ele- program guide right. that you see when you grab your remote, you're flicking through what's on TV? Yeah, you press guide, and it's got eight days of, of shows there. If you've got my freeview, you'll be able to record at the touch of a button a whole series. So it's, uh, it's, it's the sort of base level of interactivity. We added to that with what was called the interaction channel, and this allows uh, you to launch an application off the broadcast and goes away and talks to the talks to the content delivery network or a server, and then starts um, you know delivering video direct to your TV over your internet connection. Right. So you've got to either physically have a network cable that plugs into your Freeview TV or your Freeview 
box or be, yep. or be you know have a Wi-Fi uh, you know connection to yeah and to look a lot that. of those top end TVs are now coming out with Wi-Fi built in um, you know yeah that's great it's actually yeah. it's pleasing to see that because it's not a big cost to put Wi-Fi into I mean anything really uh, and it wasn't that long ago it was maybe a you know two hundred dollar upgrade to add the Wi-Fi option and. Yeah, having yeah. that standard is a good thing. And that's got to that's got to keep coming down through onto the cheaper TVs, oh, exactly. doesn't it? Exactly, and and it's actually really. I was surprised how easy it was to to hook that up. So now the only sort of constraint is, you know, what do I hook up for? Which is where you know QuickFlix and these other provider. Uh, QuickFlix will be the first, I think, of of many service providers. There's, um, you know, the, the benefit for them of being on the Freeview EPG, and that's really what they what we announced was you can go to a channel instead of having to as we've just talked about, mess around and try and find the application, click on that, and then you're into it. With with Freeview, you'll just go to channel 200, and it's there, and, and, and you're into it. So, so, could you you explain you, a, so you don't have to go and find apps and launch them. You just go to that particular channel. And, and what are you going to see when you get there, say, the first time, and then when you go back you know, in the future? Because the first time, there's got to be some sort of That's right. element to sort of install yep. into your TV. So it'll it be just like a tile. It'll say, QuickFlix, you know, have you subscribed? If not, go here. Or other, uh, depending on what QuickFlix want to do, they might want, want to just get you in, and they'll get, it'll be like a freemium proposition. So there'll be some free content there, some trailers, and they'll say, if you want to watch the full-length feature, you know, you need to give us a call or go online to subscribe. So... Um, yeah, it's very much up to them how the user experience is, and, and it will be very similar or the same as what you're currently seeing with the application that they've got running on TVs and Xbox, uh, Xbox well, yeah, I think it's on, yeah, and yeah, PlayStation, Xbox, yeah. and, and Dish TV. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really no different. It's just the, the user having a, a much easier way to access that. And now there are some limitations around this, right, because this is pretty advanced uh, you know, capability. It wasn't in Freeview at the beginning, so mm. you've got to have one of the newer... Um, you know, newer TVs or higher end set top boxes to uh, to get that. Yeah, so we changed the specification for uh, Freeview HD to incorporate this back at the end of 2010. So it's mainly all new TVs that have an Ethernet port uh, built in from sort of the middle of last year, and all my Freeview recorders, my Freeview HD recorders, from about the same time. Uh, not that many sort of of the low end seventy dollar. Set top boxes have it, you know, they just don't have an mm. Ethernet port. And you've got non certified boxes, I think probably TiVo fits into Is that in the non certified or is it in the older equipment? And we've got um, uh, Igloo. Theirs isn't sort of an official Freeview no, offering, they, is it? It just pulls in some of your content, so they won't follow those rules. No, they're all proprietary builds, so you know, you, you don't have any choice. With, with Freeview, you can choose what you're going to buy from which manufacturer and at what cost. Uh, with TiVo and, and Igloo and those other platforms and T-Box from Telstra Clear, you have to take what they give you. Right, so that is a bit of a word of warning around going onto these proprietary platforms is, yeah, they might bring whatever specialty things that they bring, but also there is a flip side to that that you might miss out on some of these standard offerings that um, that, that others will uh, you know will get from having a Freeview box. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, there's half a million now devices out there that have got the MHEG Interaction Channel built in, and, and if you like, just waiting for someone to build an application like QuickFlix. Uh, so we, we would see a number of these services launching next year. QuickFlix will probably be the first, uh, but you know, we would hope that the broadcasters, TVNZ and TV3, will bring their on-demand service straight to the TV. Um, certainly in the UK, the BBC has seen a 25% increase in viewing over the last 12 months on BBC iPlayer that's available on the TV using the same technology. So it's fair to say if the uh, if the broadcasters are, are smart, 
um, we would uh, and and those those are stats that people believe might be relevant to this market. Then uh, um, there's a pretty high chance that we'll see that happen here over you know over time. Yeah, I, well, you know, they need to find a business model that works for them sure. because obviously there's a back end development they've got to pay for. Uh, in the case of TVNZ, obviously they've got some other considerations as well that are more strategic around their other investments they have in terms of platforms. So, but yeah, I, I think we'd be positive. But people want to see TV on TV. You know, it just just makes sense. And as long as you can build in some revenue capability around that, whether it's advertising or whether it's a small subscription, then I think we'll see some good uptake of those services. Cool. Uh, now, where does 3D fit in with TV and with, with Freeview? Yeah, good question. So 3D was all the, all the talk back in 2011. I mean, it was, you know, everyone was into 3D. It seems to have, have gone away and been replaced, if you like, by video on demand. So what can we do over IP? It, it hasn't gone away. Uh, the reality is it costs so much to broadcast it, really, or to get it over IP. You know, you're talking about the equivalent of a couple of HD channels. Yeah, so it's, it's twice. It takes up two two channels to broadcast. Well, two channels it, of it? HD, which is yeah. three or four channels of SD. Yeah. So you and know, I guess there's still a lot of stuff today. We look that's that's broadcast in standard definition rather than high definition. Yeah. So and you've got to have uh, a 3D TV. I mean, the, the Australians tried it with um, rugby league games. I think back in you yeah, know, they that, had a couple of state of origin games. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. So you got to have the TV. You got to have the glasses. You know, the, there's a, a a lot of the the CPE in New Zealanders wouldn't handle it. And then when you're broadcasting that in 3D, there isn't an option to flick it back to 2D, is there? So you've got to have another channel if you want to broadcast a 2D variant as well. Yeah, is that's, that right? That, so that's that's right. Um, you know, so you you just start getting into some issues around broadcast. Maybe the UFB will will overcome some of these issues. You know, if, yeah. if yeah, in well, theory you have unlimited bandwidth. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultra fast broadband definitely, you know, is going to open up options some of which we won't have even thought of probably at the moment uh so yeah i mean that will i guess that's another thing we have to sort of sit and watch a little bit and wait and and see what things come through i mean in terms of our streaming options in new zealand uh you know with quick flicks at the moment that's only in standard definition anyway it's not in uh you know high definition that i mean that's something i'm sure will change but yeah uh you know that that's the next step you know 3d's got to be well is it further off yeah i I wonder if it's even moved on into 4k or 8k which is what the japanese have been showing to around the world and you know 4k is like if you like ultra high definition uh a lot of people have a problem with 3d know the actual viewing and it doesn't work well in some formats it's not actually that good for faster sport for example you tend to lose the action but um, you know 4k is this ultra high definition experience and when you match that with full surround sound you know um, 50.1 or something pretty pretty amazing pretty impressive because we're talking four times the uh, you know the definition of what we see with with our full HD today that's right now we were talking about this a few weeks ago because there's been uh, you know both um, Sony and um, LG have have launched their uh, new eighty four inch uh, TVs into the into the uh, market here, or they're, they're launching them. Uh, and one of the one of the the discussion points was there there is no you know four K content or, or um, what is it ultra ultra high definition, mm. which is the, the the name that they've sort of um, uh, settled on. Uh, what we what we just heard. Um, uh, a few days back, is that um, Sony are addressing this by shipping out uh, a player with their TVs that's going to have 10 4K uh, movies in it. Now, I'm not sure if that's happening in the local market yet, 
but I think they've announced this uh, in some of the some of the international markets. So there is at least a little bit of content that you can actually see in yeah. that uh, um, in that in that uh, ultra high definition format. But it's going to be a you know probably some time to come before we're going to see uh, you know see broadcast right in in 4K. That's, oh, that well, can't even be, that even can't be too close on. I mean, can't be must be a fair way off it's on, a on fair the Freeview free roadmap, right? We, we haven't even got. Well, it's the broadcasters who are, they pay the transmission, so they mm. you know there's not the platform can do it it's really up to them and, and the devices obviously can do it because you can show a movie on it currently but we haven't even got to 1080p oh the device what devices in terms of freeview you could do a four you could push 4k content oh i don't know about 4k or? right but, but you can push higher definition yeah higher so so back to 1080p so per, mm. the, the high definition in new zealand is a 720p or 1080i right yeah. but so uh, they're not going right to the limit of 1080p 1080p is you know, doubling or tripling the the capacity you need again so that's the tripling in the cost uh, you got to sell a whole lot more advertising or pay a higher subscription so you know you would expect to see these innovations coming from like a pay platform unfortunately they don't happen here um so yeah you know it's it's 1080p is not actually happening around the world in any any wide scale other than i think maybe korea and a lot of that or in the u.s over cable from a broadcast perspective yeah yeah, yeah. So, okay. so so broadcast does have mm. some limitations now um one area we, we look at from time to time and uh, around this time last year actually we were reviewing the new uh uh, HD projectors through from uh, Epson and uh, and Panasonic actually, and the, the the ones we looked at were very good. They also had uh, the 3D capability, and we've just recently looked at uh, um, at Panasonic's um, latest you know full HD and and, and 3D projector. Uh, nice device. What we've heard is uh, in the next few weeks, so early into the new year, we'll be seeing the new um, hybrid LED laser projectors coming into the country uh which sounds really really cool and i guess one of the i've been i've been a projector user for a long time i must have been through at least half a dozen i think probably more more than that in varying uh models from the early days to uh, my current sort of full hd one and i really enjoy that sort of projector you know feeling a little bit cinema like and so on uh, but one of the downsides has always been when you're when you get to the end of the life of the bulb you you know you can be up and I mean I th- I've one projector I think was in the direction of a thousand dollars to replace the bulb. Now most of those have come down, uh, but these new projectors that we're seeing uh, address that with this um, LED and um, and and laser mechanism to actually uh, generate the light. So you know a couple of benefits. One, your bulb doesn't need replacing every you know two, three, four, five thousand hours. Uh, they they're, they're rating these at twenty thousand hour uh, life, so yeah, you're unlikely to ever go through that in the life of your projector unless you keep it for a really really long time. Uh, and uh, the other side, because the traditional uh, lamps being bright would generate a lot of heat, so you need you know the fans to keep them cool, and that can make a bit of noise, which isn't necessarily so nice if you're trying to listen to a program. So it addresses those two things. So um, we'll get our hands on one of those, um, hopefully reasonably early in the new year, and have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a play and see uh, yeah see where it fits in. I think the initial models are very much targeted at the. Um, you know the business and, and you know that that end of uh, things they'll probably be uh, you know pretty pricey I would say uh, but uh, yeah we'll we'll have a look at that and uh, give some opinion either of you um, fans of projectors or are you uh, more more a, a traditional TV fan Sam always been a big fan of a projector but that bulb thing always got, yeah. got me so I used to borrow one actually from work 
every now and then. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like the I like the concept uh, of LED and laser because you don't have to go through bulb and also that whole noise thing was an issue as well. You had to have a massive room yeah. for it to kind of not be not be uh, an issue. Well, they've got they I've got to say they've got a lot better over the last few generations. Mm. And they're not, you know, they're not really at that, you know, such a point where they, they, they yeah, they used to be shocking. They were mm. just so noisy trying to keep them cool. Would they be smaller as well? Because if you don't have the fan, that's a large part of the unit. Yeah, uh, think not, so. not the ones that were that I've, you know, seen about so far. They're similar. I mean, there are the low end LED projectors you can get, which aren't even SD in sort of definition, and they're you know 100 lumens as opposed to. Uh, these new ones coming through, which are three thousand uh, lumens, so yeah, you know, there's those really low cost ones. In fact, uh, I remember at uh, CES last year seeing a laptop that on the side of it, you know, we've got, you know, might sometimes have a CD tray or something. There's a little tray that pops out, and that's a projector, so that from your laptop you can, uh, you know, you can you could do a sort of a presentation on, onto the wall with this little LED, you know, projector, uh, but pretty pretty poor. Uh, and you can buy those, you know, the cheap Asian um, uh, or chi- Chinese sort of manufactured little, uh, you know, projectors for two or two or three hundred dollars that are, you know, really basic. Um, but yeah, if you're somewhere that's, you know, completely lights out, uh, mm. they, you know, you can. You how how much do you think these projectors will be? The new uh, uh, sort of. I think they're sort of probably closer to the ten thousand right. dollar price point okay. than the than the five. Um, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Probably seven. Seven. Seven or eight k, I'm, I'm I'm picking, um, but we'll get a little bit more info on that um, in in the next few weeks. So yeah. Uh, now talking of CES, which I haven't mentioned before, but um, coming up in um, in January, we do expect to be doing some shows from um, CES. Um, um, if I can uh, manage to make my way to uh, to Vegas, so that's coming up uh, on the when does it kick off? I think about the seventh of January. So we're talking yeah. about three weeks. Uh, yeah, eight three, to eleven. Three, three weeks out uh, so yeah that should be a, another um, fun week we're just working through the details of exactly uh, how we're going to handle that whether we do sort of video or, or audio uh, again uh, anyone that's interested we've still got um, four episodes from this year's CES event and lots of interviews with startups and all sorts of uh, companies about various gadgets and things what, what do you think we be big at CES this year? Well, it's always a little bit hard to know, really, until, mm. until you get there. I mean, the, the surprise this year, uh, well, one of the surprises was uh, was Nokia with their uh, Lumia 900 announcement, right. which uh, you know seemed to get a huge amount of attention across all sorts of tech media that, you know, I think a lot of them had sort of written Nokia off, and then they came out with, uh, you know, with a re- really, really nice, uh, you know, handset uh, that, that got some good uh, good attention. Um, yeah, I wonder if the connect, you know, that's where that voice and hand recognition for TV, you know, instead of getting away from the remote, whether that will be bigger this, you know, even bigger this year. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of that there um, in, in, in January from a whole range of manufacturers, and some of it was really, really rubbish. Uh, there was also the mind reading stuff. So I watched. Wow. There was, you know, there was one of these these games that you could control on your TV with one of those headsets that you know tries to figure out your brain signals and you control it that way, but. Uh, you know, on one occasion, even the the, the engineer that was uh, trying to demo it couldn't even get it to work. So, uh, you know, that's a technology I think a lot of people have played with and and hasn't uh, yeah hasn't quite matured just yet. I don't know mm. whether it will get to that point. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of those sort of gesture control things, and uh, yeah, I think they've still got a you know a way to go as well, gesture control and voice recognition. Mm. Uh, but as that gets more mainstream, I th- you know I think that's. Um, yeah, probably an indicator that it, that it is you know maturing. So yeah, 
but yeah, in terms of in terms of other things, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. There was a lot of actual uh, um, glasses-free 3D um, TVs there as well. Uh, some of which were, you know, we were told, oh yeah, this is launching commercially in you know three months' time and rah rah rah. Um, and I, we haven't seen any of that stuff come to market in New Zealand. Some of it was actually quite good. Uh, again, some of it was complete rubbish. Um, so the, you know there were varying varying points on uh, on that on that type of technology uh, as well. So yeah, but it's always fun because there's just such a broad variety of, of of products, and some of them will make it to market. Other one, other ones won't. Um, you know, there's some of the stuff that we saw in January that sort of just come to market now. Uh, so it is quite fascinating getting that sort of early early um, you know taste on what what may or may not come through. Yeah. Uh, now, what else have we got? Um, we were talking about Trade Me earlier. Just a little um, uh, note that um, ASB did just update their uh, their mobile app in the last few days, and that has a Trade Me uh, tie-in. So uh, you can log into. I think you can log into. I haven't actually tried this yet, but you can log into. Actually, I did try this a way back um, while, it, while they were testing it, but you can link up um, the app with, uh, with Trade Me and makes it very easy to sort of pay people when you win, a, uh, win an auction. So, um, so that's quite good. There are a few other little bits and pieces uh, in there around sort of some multitasking and so on that um, just makes it a little, a little bit uh, easier to use. So it's good to see these little mobile apps from the banks keep getting, uh, keep getting updated, which is good. Um, Telecom had a bit of an internet outage last week, didn't they? Or or two? They did got a bit of bad uh, bad press around that one. Yeah, um, they ended up coming out with an apology uh, message and gift for all of New Zealand. Yes, uh, so they they're giving away uh, free for for telecom uh, customers uh, or telecom um, uh, ADSL internet uh, customers. They're giving away uh, free toll calls on uh, on Christmas Day. Is this of any use to either of you? No. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but oh, first of all, are either of you telecom customers? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, yeah landline. You, you both are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's not something that you would you would make use of. No. Um, so does it feel like a bit of a slap in the face? Yeah, it does. But it's still better than um, a video of the new CEO fly fishing in South Island. You know, it. My mum and dad will use it. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I see some people were upset though who have a plan where they get free national calls anyway. That, yeah, that so was one of the you, comments, wasn't it? You, you can't please all the people. No, but, uh, but it's certainly a big improvement on the way telecom. I think were treating their customers, you know, a year or two ago. Yeah, there's the other aspect of it, which is the Wi-Fi that they're rolling out. I think. Yeah, so that that's just been announced today, hasn't it? That uh, telecom. I guess this is another sort of bonus for customers. They're going to be giving uh, free free Wi-Fi in various holiday spots around the country, about 120 locations. Yeah, uh, that's what the release said. Um, I, I have a feeling that they were going to roll this out anyway as a promotion over the holidays. Yes. And they've just kind of slapped it on to yeah, the Yeah, it was apology. something that they were... That they were they were doing, but they've sort of tied that in and said, "Hey, as well, we're we're doing this, which we were going to do anyway, but we'll we'll tell you as well because that is a bonus for uh, for their customers, and I mm. think that's pretty cool." Yeah, you know, that's I, I think that's really really great for a big corporate to do that um, because it does benefit people because everyone travels around in New Zealand at that time of the year. Uh, are there any conditions of that you have to be a telecom customer to do this, or is this free everywhere? Uh, can't get the release. I, I, th- I think it, I think it is for uh, for telecom customers. Um, we'll yeah we'll have a little bit more of a look into that. But th- there's um, yeah that that news will be. Uh, I think it's up on telecom site now, so you can uh, you can go and, and and have a little bit of a look. Uh, 
but yeah, no, I think that that's certainly a certainly a positive thing that uh, that that telecom are doing. So it's uh, quite cool. Um, now, other little uh, li- little topics. Now we've got a couple of um, BlackBerry handsets here that just arrived um, this afternoon. Now, it's been a little bit of a while since we've sort of talked too much about. Um, BlackBerry. Now, Sim, didn't you used to use a BlackBerry? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, but a really, really old uh, 6800, which is like uh, it's like one of the black and white Blackberries. Yeah, I used it yeah. because I like texting really quickly. Yeah. And it was free at the time. So, um, But since then, since uh, I've gone on to smartphone smartphones, yeah. uh, I've never looked back, really. Yeah, well, we've got here, uh, we've got the Bold and uh, one of the other ones, of which the model name I've, I've forgotten. But uh, the reason we've got them here is we're going to be playing around with um, BlackBerry Messenger. Now, anyone that's used BlackBerry in years gone by will remember that as sort of the original sort of um, text message replacement. If, you know, if you're on BlackBerry, everyone would uh, mm. uh, would share their, their uh, BlackBerry um is it PBIM? Pin? Uh, pin. pin. Yeah. yeah, and um, um, you know you'd be a, you'd be able to message with everyone else in the BlackBerry community, which you know for a while was uh, w- was pretty big. Uh, now they, what they've done is they've added on to that sort of um, you know text messaging uh, capability, um, VoIP or you know basically free calling amongst anyone that's uh, that that's that's on BlackBerry, uh, which is is interesting to see, and I think. There will be probably some businesses that will pick this up and and definitely uh, you know find find that a pretty cool uh, pretty cool sort of feature. Uh, do you think this is going to help them as they try and uh, relaunch themselves in January with uh, BlackBerry Ten, which is their new operating system? They've got new devices coming to the market as well. Uh, is this is this a big enough differentiator to be uh, helpful alongside with new software and, and hardware launches next year? No. Um, uh, uh, that might sound quite cynical and pessimistic of me, but if you look at the enterprise scene, which is what used to be BlackBerry's stronghold, everybody's replacing their Blackberries with an iPhone or uh, Android or Windows Phone in some cases. I don't think people will look back because who's leading this? It's the CEOs, it's the executives who want that sexy device, and BlackBerry has lost that. It's very hard to get people to sort of turn turn back on a product they've once used even if it's relaunched itself isn't it i guess that's the that's a challenge i mean we've still got a lot of government uh users you know, around the world that you use blackberry i know in the u.s um you know the the um the government employees and so on use it i think obama's you know that's what that's what he carries uh but that's uh, you know probably going to be a, a a shrinking market unless they really pull something amazing out of the hat in january which I don't know. It's quite possible. We're hearing some good stuff about the software. What, what do yeah, you think? Yeah. Will it be at CES? Is that? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what they're uh, what they'll have yeah, at, at, at CES. So uh, I, I have actually asked. So I'm waiting for some info through on that. And uh, I mean, this really interests me because BlackBerry has been such a strong brand in the past, but uh, they they have that challenge uh, of not having a whole lot of you know if we look at say Microsoft with you know their Windows Mobile platform just you know it just really died and they've you know they've relaunched Windows Phone they're trying to make some, up some market share but because they've got such a big business surrounding that they can afford to fund the promotion of of Windows Phone until it gets yeah. back in and gets some market share I think but in terms BlackBerry of don't don't have you know as deep pockets as Microsoft so I think. That, that's what makes it harder. So it's going to very much come down to a product that just absolutely blows people away. If they can do that. Yeah. In terms um, of a brand, though, it's, it's always been a very reliable brand. So I think in a corporate environment, uh, and if you're talking about cost advantages and the handset 
price is low as well, uh, then you know people may well pick it up. But mm. you, you might be right. It might might be more targeted at a, at a government sector where they have you know for like you like more control over who, who's using what. But uh, yeah, as you say, one out of the bag, it will need to be. Otherwise, it, it will be the end of. Uh, of uh, BlackBerry. Well, they also they also need to have the carriers on board, and if carriers have sort of started to move away, let, let's say, you know, BlackBerry launches with an amazing product in in January, and one of our carrier picks, carriers picks it up, but you know, let, let's say, you know, Vodafone picks it up, and Telecom and Two Degrees say, no, we're not interested. Uh, you know, that that's that's an you know immediate sort of negative sort of slap in the face for it too isn't it so that, that you know they've got to get people in all directions really uh, committed to it and the fact that they're giving away this free calling between blackberries uh, you know we, we can do it on other platforms to varying degrees uh, you know and we've got FaceTime on on, on iOS uh, you know Skype is uh, on, on you know now coming pretty integrated on on Windows Phone uh, 8 uh, but yeah, it's it's maybe another reason why carriers might not look quite so favourably on it, unless they did it around the other way, which is offered an exclusive, which is kind of how Apple tend to launch their products, so that only one carrier in New Zealand has it. But uh, if you're coming from a, a position of weakness, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So yeah, I think they'll be. Uh, I think you're right. They'll, they'll struggle. Mm. Uh, now, one one little uh, update, I guess, is also sort of fitting into the business side where, where BlackBerry's often uh, are shuffled into. Uh, is that in New Zealand we've just seen the launch of um, a new tape backup standard, LTO6. Now, a bit techie, uh, I know, but I know there's some of our listeners out there that are uh, uh, running IT uh, systems across uh, various businesses. Uh, so this LTO6 standard puts 2.5 terabytes uh, worth of information on a tape, so people that are sort of shipping off off-site backups of of, uh, of servers and so on, um, I guess this goes just a little bit further to making that uh, an easier process if you're uh, if you're sticking with tapes. Um, now, also on our um, on our news stories, one thing we have talked about earlier on the year is this new wireless standard, 802.11ac. Um, this new wireless AC standard brings much faster. Uh, Wi-Fi, and we finally got our hands on um, on some routers and some uh, USB sticks that give us um, access to sort of test that out. So we've been playing around with that. We'll report back a little bit more on um, on that in the new year. Um, but what do you guys think in terms of importance of the wireless standard sort of you know improving from you know what we're seeing with AC is uh, you know some improvements in terms of coverage, not huge dramatic improvements. Uh, and also better uh, better performance, which I guess will help with, the, for instance, the distribution of of HD video mm. in in various formats. And sometimes, uh, you know, HD video just doesn't work very well across traditional Wi-Fi networks. Very important with the UFB. So you're getting 100 megabits to the door, and all of a sudden it gets inside, and you're in the old wireless network, and oh, hello, we're down to 50 or whatever. So it's extremely important for the delivery of of high definition. You know, we just talked about 3D video. Who knows what's next? So yeah, what the wireless standard does need to improve to allow that increased connectivity we're going to have from the from the exchange into the home. I think a lot of um, the consensus around uh, speed problems in New Zealand is half the problem is around wiring and at home uh, distribution of your internet signal, internet uh, access. So having better uh, wireless access and better wireless performance will. Uh, help people improve on what they've already got and um, again it might be something that actually makes uh, UFB less attractive because you've, you're 
making better uh, use of what, uh, the internet connection that you already have. But anything that improves my ability to play uh, Halo 3 and Halo 4 is uh, welcome. Oh, yeah, it's worth spending money to make that stuff right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's all good. Um, now, uh, new new phones, uh, The what we had launched this week was uh, Nokia's Lumia 820. Apparently, it was well originally our press announcement from uh, Vodafone was saying it launched last Friday. Uh, that came out uh, Tuesday. So, uh, And we've just been passing one of those around. Uh, now, I'm not sure... Sh- th- not sure if this is the red one. I'm not sure if that's actually the colour that Vodafone are launching here. I think uh, uh, maybe it's black is the one that they're launching. Um, I think it's black, but uh, yeah, yeah. I but, was having a play but with looking it at that before. handset, it's um, it's a pretty nice handset. Now the difference between that and the Lumia 920 is it doesn't have. I don't think it has the wireless. Uh, the what is it? Induction uh, charging. Yeah, the wireless induction charging sort of as standard, but you can actually change the cover uh, and enable that uh, that functionality. Um, nice big screen. What size uh, is that one com- coming in at? I'll just um, I'll just check that. But it's seven hundred and uh, seven hundred ninety nine dollars for the um, the handset, which is uh, certainly a you know I guess a, a slightly sort of sweeter um, um, you know spot compared to the Lumia nine twenty, which is an, an awesome phone. But yeah, thousand dollars is is something that not everyone's going to be able to um, you know stretch to, right? Yeah, and I'm just holding this phone, and uh, the build quality feels really good. I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, uh, quite completely, but it's a good-looking phone. It's a good-feeling phone, and um, uh, the camera's meant to be quite good on this. Yeah, so it's got an eight megapixel, uh, eight megapixel uh, camera. You know, it's got also got a a forward-facing camera as well. Um, I think that one's got eight eight gigs of storage. it's been launched initially exclusively on um, on Vodafone's uh, network, uh, with Telecom having the exclusive on the on the nine twenty. So I guess each one of them have have got you know one of those higher end um, phones. It's got a four point three inch um, AMOLED display, so it's a, it's a it's a reasonable size uh, display, and uh, somewhat like the Lumia nine twenty, it is a chunkier you know solid handset as you're saying. Uh, comes in at um, 160 grams. Now, with the smaller storage, this one is actually expandable, though, so you can put um, uh, micro SD, um, you know, storage in there, so you can you can bump bump that up if you wish. And and with all these uh, Windows Phone 8 products, you've got Microsoft's cloud services as well, connecting to it, which makes it you know even more expandable. Yeah, well, I mean, just you know, they just came out. Uh, I think it was in the la- in the last few days, actually, with uh, with their SkyDrive app on the Xbox. So with Windows Phone 8, any photo or video you take, you can have those automatically upload to the cloud. Uh, and, you know, basically, you know, within moments of you actually having taken the photo, you can then be viewing uh, those as slideshows on an, on an Xbox, for instance, uh, which is pretty cool. Now, the, and with that SkyDrive, the nice thing is it doesn't just work across Windows Phone 8, so you can run that on, on other mobile platforms, uh, like you can run Dropbox and push all your photos and your content up there and access them from the Xbox, which is uh, it's kind of nice. I mean, we, we've obviously seen uh, you know Apple very close integration between um, iOS devices like the iPhone and the Apple TV, and that and that works brilliantly. But it's nice to have another option that's yeah maybe a little bit uh, you know broader in terms of the um, uh, the mobile platforms that are supported. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to which operating system you also prefer. So, you know, got used to iOS, Windows 8 looks better, but you know, am I going to mess around with it? 
Uh, and and uh, the other thing around the, these new Nokia phones is, is, as you say, the camera quality. It's, uh, it's taken it to a, a whole new level, which is, for the part-time photographer, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the stuff that we're starting to see in terms of shots that are, that are taken on these devices and, uh, you know, even the filming work that can be done on, you know, on a mobile handset, you know, and there are companies that are, that'll make a lens that you can slide onto your iPhone, for instance, uh, so you get wide angle or, or you know or, or close ups on a on an iPhone with these uh, these attachments it does you know creates a whole lot of uh, whole lot of possibilities. Yeah, it won't be long before was it Guy Ritchie who made those movies for a car manufacturer using a digital SLR. So the next thing I guess we're using a, a mobile phone. Yeah, well, I mean, and we and we've even you know we've had uh, you know TV commercials in New Zealand that have been you know shot on a on a on a phone you know to prove a point more than anything, but. Uh, you know there there are you know, pretty powerful capabilities, and these things can shoot now in a um, yeah full full HD uh, resolution. So uh, kind of cool. All right, well uh, I think it just about wraps it up. Is there anything we've left left off the agenda, Sim? There was there, there was, there was something there that was very thing. very interesting. Let's uh, let's yeah. let's dive into that now. What's what's this uh, announcement or news that we've uh, that we've just heard? Well, um, this is from yesterday. Uh, the Green Party's uh, green uh, green paper, <laughs> Green Party's green paper yeah. um, on ICT, and uh, just the cornerstone uh, point, which is uh, investing one hundred million dollars into a second internet cable. That's right, into into New Zealand. So yeah, currently we have um, a single uh, cable, the Southern Cross cable, uh, coming into New Zealand. Well, a single provider, they've got dual cable. Yes, they've got redundancy yeah, it, with dual. There's a dual figure cables. eight configuration yeah. going from New Zealand, Australia. Uh, Hawaii and uh, the US and some little points US. in yeah. yeah um but it, the uh, Southern Cross uh, provider has a monopoly on that cable has a monopoly on our international bandwidth uh, which means they have control on uh, cost for New Zealanders mm. uh so a second cable would uh, theoretically bring that down. Um, we've had a couple of uh, attempts at building a second cable for instance Pacific Fiber which uh, failed I think in August uh, and uh, we've also had Kim.com uh, announce that he wants to uh, build a second cable. How uh, realistic that is is still to be determined. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I think from what I've been hearing on Twitter and also talking to people like Paul Brislin from Two Ants, they welcome any any kind of uh, participation from the government in helping New Zealand's infrastructure. And that's the point here that at least there's a discussion going on around this. Yeah, I think it's good to have these discussions. Is it, I guess the question is, is it needed? You know, not all the capacity is being used on the existing cable, uh, but as we've only got one provider, uh, you know, is, is the pricing fair and reasonable? Are we, are we paying too much? Uh, yeah. The, 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 it's an interesting it's a, discussion in New Zealand that happen, should happen a lot more around do we need pro-competition regulation across infrastructure? So that instead of bringing new competitors in, we're not the US, we don't have a massive population, so you're not going to have competing networks. Uh, we all share the same network, but you need to regulate that, otherwise the, the incumbent, you know. Well, I guess you, you, I mean, Sky would be the, you know, the, the one that you would see every day, uh, you know, wearing, wearing your Freeview hat. Uh, that you know would would create some uh, some challenges in the local market. Yeah, look, I think in terms of content and probably it's more people like Quickflix and, and you know Netflix have said they're not coming here, they can't get access to the content. It, it, TV is all about what people want to watch; they're willing to pay for it. But at the moment, there's only one player in town, so 
you know, is there, certainly in Europe, you don't get that situation. Australia, they've kind of regulated the other way, and I don't think we should go there uh, with anti-siphoning. But, um, you know, something that allows some competition to come in and gives consumers choice and also innovation. You know, we're, we're years behind in what you can do with TV in New Zealand compared to the UK. Uh, and in the US and now places like Germany are catching up very quickly as the government has introduced these innovations. There's also the redundancy uh, angle, which is if the Southern Cross cables uh, fail or a certain software portion of the overall cable fails, mm. what do we do as New Zealand? We, we just become one big intranet. So having a second yeah, cable... Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, really good, there's a really good reason to have multiple connections into the country from that you know that perspective. You know what it would do to to uh, you know to business in New Zealand if we didn't have any internet connectivity or or it dropped down to a thousandth of mm. or a millionth of what it is now. You know the 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 previous cables into into New Zealand. It's actually really interesting to look back in the history. And I did this a little while ago, and I think the first um, the first interconnect between New Zealand and Australia was um, I think it was. Um, was was what was the forerunner to phones? Was Telex the was that the forerunner, or did that come later on along with uh, fax? Anyway, reading back through it, the the first sort of communications, which were probably you know Morse code sort of style stuff, but there was a cable between New Zealand and Australia, I think in eighteen seventy. Mm. Um, so they've they've been they've been doing this sort of stuff for a really really long time, and you know we sort of think oh yeah Southern Cross that that's it, but there's been all these other uh, bits and pieces, and there were you know much slower you know internet connections for us prior to that at you know, I don't know what the connection speed was maybe a 128k or something mm. you know maybe equivalent of a dial up connection um at you know one point and and other various ones um i mean we got by with what was there at at the time and they had, you know probably not too many failures but now now we rely for on the internet for so many different things um that the thought of being completely disconnected from the outside world is sort of um, scary almost, possibility. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that 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 is certainly a good reason to look at it. And and you know, if we are indeed being charged too much for our internet connections, uh, then having another connection in would you would think would help with that. Um, I guess the question is, shouldn't it be a viable you know proposition for a business to do it? Should the should the should the government need to jump in and do it? Um, with Pacific Fiber, uh, they raised quite a bit of money. I think they had almost half of the $400 million they needed. And one of their cornerstone uh, contracts was with RIANS, which is the network that connects uh, all the universities together. Yep. So um, they couldn't quite reach there because they needed to fill the rest of the gap with either domestic or international investment. International investment is all coming from China, but they won't invest unless you use Chinese gear. There, weren't there a couple of people, um, founders of this thing, that uh, are worth, on their own, worth hundreds and hundreds of millions? Yes, but founders can put their own livelihoods at stake, are they? Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing that one out. Yeah. But, but yeah, so they couldn't get to the end. And uh, Rod Drury, who is one of the founders, yeah. and um, uh, I think he was the chair, uh, or, sorry, a director of um, Pacific Fiber as well. That's right. Uh, um, he said one of the key reasons they failed was because they can get domestic investment, which included government investment. Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I was actually a bit surprised at that. It's the sort of thing that you would think that the superannuation funds and so on would would come into. I mean, you know, we are going to need more and more bandwidth. You know, in New in New Zealand, and uh, you know, the the Southern Cross. Um, you know, cable provides you know, generates huge amounts of profit every year. 
so you know my thought my thought was that uh, those numbers should should have should have sort of added up for uh, for something and like superannuation fund to have plugged in, but that they said no, and that's the bit which sort of left me scratching my head. Does this proposition just just not add up, mm. or are there some other reasons, uh, or are there some other reasons for it? I don't know. But the the investment model for infrastructure, what, what's working? You know, if you look at roads, for example, in, in New Zealand, the public-private partnership is a great example. So why don't the government get involved in ICT infrastructure in the same same model? Uh, they seem reluctant to do so. Maybe that's because they don't know enough about it, or well, I think that, I think that's a problem because you know governments are used to investing in infrastructure. They know the importance of this, and you know you would think the government would also know what the impact would be if we, you know, if something happened to the existing infrastructure and there was nothing else to to back it up. That's right. And you have to think about it. One hundred million dollar is is uh, you know chump change compared to the three billion or so we're going to be spending on. Uh, motorways to and from Auckland so yeah. you know uh, you could invest in roads or you can invest in a highway to the rest of the world you know yeah, that's right yeah I mean I, when, you, when you put it in that sort of light I you know I think you know most people that understand the importance of internet on on businesses and 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 the potential for people to work from home and all those other sorts of uh, equations uh, you know yeah it's the sort of thing you think mm, actually yeah we should just Give yeah. me another cable. We should, we, yeah. should, we should just do it. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we drop one tomorrow uh, into the water and uh, you know have it, have that sort of link up? Because the hundred million would buy us a link. Um, well, I've heard f- f- figures of fifty to a hundred million uh, a, a connection between New Zealand and Australia, and it's more that sort of four hundred million if we wanted a uh, Australia, New Ula. Zealand, US sort yeah. of sort of, uh, sort of link. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, hmm, yeah, no, that 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 that. In the scheme of it, sounds sounds pretty good. Um, I guess the current financial climate, the the government is just is looking around and trying to be uh, trying to be somewhat uh, somewhat cautious about what they spend. Also, you, you have to notice this is a green proposition, so they would have to have some sort of majority or some sort of power in government in the next election or so. So that's, they may well yeah. do, but it fits with their if you like their manifesto, which says let's invest. Uh, an infrastructure that we think is of more value to New Zealanders and the economy, and that is ICT rather than motor- motorways and more highways. So let's get people on trains and buses, and let's give them, you know, uh, the capacity to work from wherever they want in a global sense. Mm. Well, I mean, I would, I would think this should make sense from left, right, middle, oh, exactly. for everyone. Uh, you know, but another, yeah, you know, you you would you would think that it would, uh, you know, it would pay it would pay for itself, uh, but. Hey, not our not our choice. Unfortunately, we try to be as influential as we can. I'm not sure who's listening in, but uh, um, you know, if there's any uh, any members of the government who would like to discuss this with us, then I hear uh, Stephen Joyce listens to this. So. We will we'll be we'll be happy to sort of twist twist some arms um, and uh, have have some of those discussions. But uh, yep, yeah, hey, I think that's probably us for this week. Uh, in fact, uh, at this stage, this is this is probably our last episode unless we manage to squeeze in some sort of uh, um, Christmas wrap up Christmas wrap up there certainly won't be an episode um, being recorded on uh, on on Christmas Day um, but which would be which is the next Tuesday which is usually where we record uh, but we will be back uh, most likely at uh, at, at CES uh, unless um, yeah some, something untoward uh, happens between uh, now and then 
uh, I'll be uh, I'll be spending about a week or so uh, in in Vegas at uh, what was previously known as the Consumer Electronics Show, but I think probably covers a lot more than just sort of consu- you know, it covers a lot of consumer stuff, but but all sorts very very broad in, in terms of its coverage these days, um, along with um, most likely about one hundred and fifty thousand other people. So uh, there will be all sorts of news and and, and tech stories. We'll be interviewing uh, people from uh, a range of new startups that will be. Uh, uh, showing themselves off for the first time um, there at uh, at Startup Debut, which is one of the events that uh, that we attended this year, which was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, and yeah, look, looking at uh, a bunch of uh, tech that's probably um, about to hit the market, and some other bits and pieces that are maybe uh, six to twelve months out. So uh, yeah, that's it. Hey, um, now where do we find you online, Sim? Um, you can read my work, my awesome work, at uh, idealog.co.nz or stoppress.co.nz if you're into uh, digital marketing. Cool. So and this is this is you've just you've just started really in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, this is my first day of the second week at uh, Tangible Media. So yeah, I'm oh, still congr- here. Congratulations on a, on the new role. Thanks. Um, and what sort of stuff are you going to be are you going to be covering? Um, a lot of tech startup stuff, uh, more consumer technology uh, than what I was covering at Computer World and. Okay. Uh, a lot of digital marketing stuff. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, semantics, S-I-M-A-N-T-I-C-S. Cool. And Sam? FreeviewNZ, pretty much everywhere. Web, Facebook, Twitter. So uh, all those new announcements we'll be making about streaming and on-demand services over IP, you'll find them there. So there's there's really a whole lot more possibilities, and and we'll be hearing a bit more of that as time comes on. We might have to make room for you on an, on another show. It's certainly been fun to to hear a little bit um, about Freeview and, and what's happening in, in the Freeview world. And I think there's probably a, there probably are a bunch more sort of possibilities with the technology of, of where you can go, uh, some of which we sort of, I guess, discussed before we started the podcast. Um, maybe we will see if we can squeeze those into into another episode to uh, you know to dive into some of that a bit more. I know um, you know that we have a lot of interest in, amongst the audience in in you know what's happening with with access to video and, and TV content and, mm. and the various ways of doing that. And uh, I'd certainly be interested in exploring that some more. So um, thank you for joining yeah. us. You're welcome. Uh, We've got a website actually, sharesomelove.co.nz, and you could win one of ten new Samsung TVs, which have got quick flicks and all sorts of things on them already. So nice. Uh, which which Samsung uh, TV. It's the is it, is it the new uh, seven series or eight series? I can't remember, but uh, yeah, one, one of the new smart TVs. And is it a nice, nice, good size? Oh yeah, it's a fifty. I think it's a fifty. Yeah, excellent. All right, oh, I might, might go and have, 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 have a look. Put my preview recorder under the tree. That always goes down really well as well. <laughs> hey, hey, enough of that commercial <laughs> promo stuff. All right, how do we un- unplug you? Uh, no, no, that's all good. Hey, um, thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks for uh, for joining us again uh, this year, and uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, very early in uh, in two thousand and thirteen. See ya. Bye.